This episode of the Fabulous Learning Nerds is sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, win time, activity periods, RTIs, counselor, and teacher appointments, and much more. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash B to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash B-E. As things start to come back together, what are your plans for back to work? Are you going back to the office? Are you going to be working from home? Are you going to try to find some balance between working in the office and working from home? And most importantly, what can we do as learning leaders to ensure that this transition goes smoothly and effectively for everyone? These are fantastic questions that we'll be talking about tonight with guest of the show, Christy Loudon. It's going to be a blast. So get ready. Cue the music, everybody. They are the fabulous learning nerds. Cause if you're tired of the old ways of getting it done, you've got the fabulous learning nerds. Scott and Dan are making it lots of fun. The best ideas that you've ever heard. So everybody spread the word. They're gonna keep you with turning the fabulous learning nerds. Fabulous learning nerds. Oh yeah! Hey everybody, welcome back to another amazing episode of your Fabulous Learning Nerds. I'm Coach Shooty, your host, and with us back from this holiday week is Dan Coonrod. Dan the man. He's a learning pimp. Dan. Scott, how you doing? Learning pimp? What exactly is a learning pimp? Now that I'm a learning pimp, I'd like to know what that entails. What's my job description with that? You, you hang out on the corner. Oh, and I don't like you have an army going. of people who uh, who mm, help danger. you teach others great things um, about learning. Okay. And you're damn you, Dan. Let's just be honest; they can't see you, but you are a damn fine, handsome man. I must say, let's, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go that far. I would, I would. That's Aww. what makes you a learning pimp. Oh, <laughs> how was your weekend? How was your How was your holiday? My holiday was pretty good. I, all things in you know, all things considered, I mean, 4th of July is a fabulous combination of alcohol and explosives, and uh, we managed to keep all of our fingers. How about you? Uh, you know, uh, it was pretty good. It was pretty good. I'll, I'll uh, window into uh, this uh, learning pimp's world. I, giant nerd, so I played uh, some D&D and launched fireworks, uh, which was fantastic. Okay. I absolutely adored it. I hate to say this, not all of our audience will know what D&D is. Could you oh, please that's tell a good everybody? Point. I just assume that learning and development and Dungeons and Dragons go hand in hand, but you're right. Um, they, they don't always. Yeah, no, I'm a, I'm a giant nerd, so I played some Dungeons and Dragons uh, this weekend with some friends and uh, then launched fireworks. It was amazing. I have a friend who does a Dungeons and Dragons live podcast, and it is amazing. Oh, yeah? Yeah, we should have a Learning Nerds Dungeons & Dragons podcast. 
Oh my god. I mean, I would love that, and I'm sure there are at least seven other humans in the world who would dig that as well, who would be avid listeners. Yeah, and I was going to say, like, three of them would actually listen. <laughs> I think I think seven. I think we'd get seven avid listeners. The people who were playing in the game, at least. Okay, all right. So what would your character be, Daniel? Oh, man. Uh, you know, I'm, uh, I'm a learning and development guy through and through, so I often like to play support classes, so I don't mind playing uh, healers. Um, but I also do like playing wizards. Um, yeah, yeah. Of course you would be a wizard. That's right. Damn right. Yeah. I'm I'm much more of a tank myself. I like oh, to tank. Fantastic. Tanking, by the way, is just the big burly characters that stand up and take a lot of hits. That's me. Um, not a lot of thinking involved. I, I will say that we can't play uh, any game without our, our fabulous uh, partner in crime, the uh, Duchess of Design, Abby Dawson, everybody. <laughs> Hey, Scott. So nice to be back after the holiday. It is. And now what character are you going to be in our fabulous Dungeons and Dragons group? Oh, Scott, you know, I don't know anything about Dungeons and Dragons, except that all my friends used to play it in high school. Why don't you make something up? Like everybody's here listening to your every word. You could just totally make something up and they'd probably believe you. Um... I don't know. How about the the unicorn tamer? Is that a thing? Is that it is something? now. Unicorn tamer. <laughs> Abby Dawson, everybody. I just want to say, watching you peer pressure somebody to play Dungeons and Dragons feels like a role reversal from just like 20 years ago. <laughs> well, who me? Yes. Yeah. I, I, I thought I was nice about it. I like unicorn you tamer. You were nice. I thought unicorn tamer. We get wizard. Actually, uh, Daniel's going to be the pimp wizard, and then Abby's unicorn tailor, or trainer, not a tailor, a trainer, right? The unicorn tailor might be just as interesting, though. I think that I think <laughs> that, that seems would be very fantastic. niche. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, seeing, I'm seeing lots of silks and sequins. Oh. <laughs> wow. All right. Well, to add to tonight's silliness, we have a special guest, friend of the show. You love her. She was on a few weeks ago. Ladies and gentlemen, Miss Christy Loudon is back. One, two, one, two, three, four. Christy. Hello. So, all right. So the first question is um, character in our Dungeons and Dragons training group. I think I might know less than Abby about D&D, except for what I've learned from Big Bang Theory. Um, I like the sound of a wizard, though. Like, I, I know wizards already taken. So can I, like, ride the unicorn? A unicorn rider? Okay. Did you watch Game of Thrones? No. Yeah, I saw that. You didn't watch that? Oh, mm -mm. darn it. Female wizard. To be fair, I also bolted out of Game of Thrones after season two. <sighs> yeah. Thanks, everybody, for uh, joining us for Daniel Coonrod's last show. So Christy is the uh, sorceress of the group. So we get a wizard slash pimp, it. sorceress, a tank, and a unicorn tamer. So the second question is, Christy, do you know the words that follow your intro to the song? 
That is your intro? No. Oh, okay. Should we put Christy on the spot and have her make up some words that would follow her intro? Or does anybody else... cruel and entertaining. It would be. But mostly cruel. (laughs) Daniel, you know the words that follow that intro, do you not? I don't know all the words. It doesn't go like... Everybody, that was terrible. But I'm gonna, keep, I'm gonna own it. Okay, you're gonna own yeah. how terrible in Backstreet Boys that sounded. Thank you. And now wow. Blues Brothers. Wow. Yes, I know. Listen, Blues Brothers is fantastic. <laughs> I wish they had made a sequel to it. That would have been awesome. I, I know they did, but I don't, I don't think it's real. I don't, I choose not to believe in it. It was terrible. It was mo- the music on the Blues Brothers 2000 was fantastic, though. Yes, yes, it was. Okay, hey, uh, welcome to the Fabulous Learning Nerds. We're actually going to talk some learning stuff, believe it or not. Um, No emails this week, so we're going to move right into our uh, topic of the week. All right, interesting times. Everybody's ready to get back to work, or are they? So this week we thought we'd talk a little bit about culture. In a time of back to work, and um, what we as learning professionals can do to help um, make that transition a little smoother for everybody. So, Dan, you're the one that brought this up. Go ahead, lead us off. What's the question that, that you would like to start when we're thinking about culture in the time of back to work? So, I'm sure lots of you guys are are thinking about this trying to figure out how to navigate it. And I think like our, our big first question in this is like, why, why or why not are we going back in the office? The labor mentality switch that has happened because of COVID, because of just the rise of technology finally meeting, I think what a lot of people had hoped would someday happen the idea of actually being able to truly work from home. And so we've all, not all, but many of us, not all of us were able to, but many of us were able to work from home the last year, year and a half. And I know personally for me, uh, getting two hours a day back, clawed back out of my commute time, like my travel to work time, uh, is super amazing. It's, It's why I can do this. So I'm super curious to know what your guys' thoughts are on if you're going back to the office, if you miss the office, what that's been like for you guys. So let's stay there for just a second, right? Because I think there's two sides to this coin. I want to make sure we hit both, right? Because you're making an argument on, hey, going back to the office, I kind of like my flexibility, right? So flexibility being part of you know, uh, the work environment that you've created for yourself, right? So some of the independence that may come from that. Um, what are some of the other things that you find in a, re- in a remote work environment that you want to maintain? Um, I will say, um, selfishly, the ability to uh, get home by walking out of my office slash closet door and then closing that door and then being, I'm at home. Uh, That's super fantastic. It means the time back is like the biggest thing. 
and there is no replacement for time. You, we only get so many hours, so every hour back is precious. Um, this sounds counterintuitive, but there's so much more communication with varying parts across my business than there ever was when we were in the office. There was a lot more spontaneity, a lot more like surprise communication, and lots of good things that come out of it. Just so you guys know, there's lots of good stuff about the office. The first three months of of quarantine were super tough, as like I, you know, fought my own natural tendencies to want to be around people, want to be in an office. It was pretty miserable. But like once I adapted, like looking around at like, there are parts of the business where I think if it hadn't been for quarantine, I probably would not be communicating with as often or as much. Okay, uh, Abby, what other, uh, first of all, tell us if, uh, if you have plans on going back to the office or if you're going to more promote. And then do you have any feedback for Daniel, whether good or bad around, you know, the positive things about working from home? Yeah, so... My company won't be going back to an office. Um, they realized pretty quickly that this remote work gave them some opportunity to hire talent that they otherwise wouldn't have been able to attract. Um, so talent that didn't want to move cross country or um, work in an office. They wanted to work remotely. They thought this is our chance to strike and, and grab as many great folks and great talent as we can. So, so we're going to stay remote. And um I'm excited about that. To Dan's point, it means a lot more time with my family if I'm not commuting. Um, means a lot more flexibility. But there are things I miss. I mean, I really miss working with folks. I miss that interaction. I miss dropping by somebody's desk, um, being able to look over someone's shoulder and learn how to use a new tool. But um, on the flip side, it's been a great challenge too. Um, I'm a lot more comfortable trying to talk up in... Um, a video call that I think I would have ever been before. I really um, didn't do as well in in uh, phone calls or video conferences. So I've grown in that way. I've also, because I can't look over people's shoulder to learn a new tool, um, I just kind of jump in now. Like there's no other way to do it. So I've learned how to use a whole bunch of new tools that I would have probably otherwise never done on my own. So it's been kind of a weird time. I'm curious to see where we go next, but um but yeah, that's kind of where I am with it. Um, my company, the people who live near the office go into the office, but I'm multiple states away, so I will be working from home. But I've never had the experience of not working from home in this role. So as a team, you know, I, I not only changed where I worked, I changed careers. So for me, like this has been the only thing that I've known. Um and I love it. There were definitely that, like Abby was saying, I miss, you know, when I was a teacher after class, I could just run next door to the teacher and, and tell her about something or ask her a question or show her something. And so the first month or so I would be like, I, Oh, I have nowhere to go. No one to talk to. Cause I'm literally home alone with my dog. Um, so that part has been hard. I'm definitely a people person, but I love like Dan said, I just walk up the stairs and I'm home and that cut my commute down by half an hour or whatever. So that's been awesome. I can run up and grab a cup of tea and I eat healthier. So that is the benefit of being at home. Like I don't have to pack a bunch of stuff and then try to compile a lunch. I can go up and make a salad or whatever. Um, 
and then the what one thing we've done like a couple of my colleagues when we're kind of just in that slump and we're missing people or we're just kind of stuck we just say hey do you want to just hop on a chat and just like work not on the same thing but just be sort of together working and so that's kind of nice we can chit chat and work and and feel sort of like we're in real life hanging out together <laughs> so that's helped a lot that is interesting i can't remember ever just jumping into a team's room and then working while you're working dan or abby have you guys done that so you know i've i've always been fortunate that the teams i've led have been a mix of office and and remote <clears throat> And so there have been times where it's like, hey, guys, let's let's all just pile into this Zoom room or whatever so we can we can work through this. So, like, I had I had definitely experienced that before. Um, I will say before before this, I did often like struggle to understand the allure of working at home. Like my remote folks would be like, oh, it's so amazing. And I'd be like, well, I mean, I, I like being in an office. Like, there's no replacement for the office. And I still believe that to some extent, like on a scale of one to five business days, I think I'm definitely still at a two business days kind of feeling that there is there's some things that can't be replaced. But to Dan's point about like hopping in together, like we never did it in Zoom calls um, in the previous jobs I had or, or not to a great extent to like work something out. But I used to love going into rooms and like literally working on a whiteboard with people. Oh, yeah. Um and I didn't realize how important that was to how I worked through problems. And it's been an adjustment. It really has to learn how to use other tools to um, replace that activity of like thinking through something with a, with a group of people. And you can do it, but it has been different. Can we parking lot that? Because I want to go back to that. I, it's for me, if I think about, you know, remote work, and by the way, full transparency, I've been doing remote work for over a decade. So I've had my position in a remote environment even before all the silliness hit, right? And for me, going going into the office and getting that human interaction was a purposeful thing. Like I just had a conversation with my boss about this this morning. I went to the one, one of the satellite offices where she used to work out of just to hang out with people. And I didn't even tell them I was coming. Because I had no other purpose other than I wanted to hang around with people that I served so that we could innovate, right? Um, and I do remember like, why are you here? Well, I just want to be around you guys so I can kind of figure out what's going on. Um, I felt that that was important. So strategically, I guess you could call me a, a, you know, a, a wandering office guy. Like at least two weeks out of the month, I was somewhere else. Um, and I will say, oh my goodness, do I miss that? Like I miss going on the road and I miss being with people, um, being with people in different offices and, and having that human interaction I felt was really, really important. Not to say that we didn't find ways around that, some more successful than others. But for me, I think that we're looking at a world like it, the perfect world for me in my case is going to be, do I have the opportunity to get that human on human interaction when I need it or when I feel it's valuable? And we're all going to get that. And then do I, and can I create an environment where I have the freedom and flexibility to go ahead and work the way that I, I want to work, assuming that I'm disciplined to do so, which is another topic, which we'll get to um, as well, uh, and then move forward. I think that that's the big challenge that we have as a society at, 
as a whole today is as we move forward that everything's different. Like it's all different. And some people are happy about it and some people are really not happy about it. And so at any rate, um, thoughts on some of the benefits of going back to the office that I pointed out. Uh, I talked about it at the start, like the having a workplace, even now, like I talked about, like I get to, I've got my little spot, which is my work spot. Like this is the spot where I do work. I don't use it for any, well, that's not true. It's my closet. So I use it to store clothes and work. So, (laughs) (laughs) so it does serve two purposes, but like, I'm not doing anything else in here. So that separation is important. Having an office, you get that built-in sense of separation. That is the place where work happens. This is the place where home happens. And I think that's uh, a really important separation. I Just for sanity and for building good work-life balance, of being able to be like, I'm home. Unless it's on fire, work stuff can wait. And I, yeah. I don't know if that's easy. It's It's not as easy to do remote like I, I just you know full transparency just before this call like i'm i'm answering some work messages we're uh you know a few hours outside of of standard work time a couple hours and you know at home that sense of i'll just check that message i'll I, oh you know what my office is 20 feet away let me get up let me go take care of that and one just as a worker, one of the advantages of that office is oh, my office is a twenty minute drive away. Cool, that can wait till the morning. I was gonna say I definitely think if I had to like work at my dining room table, I would not enjoy working from home for that reason. Like you wouldn't have that separation. It would always be right there in front of your face. But if you have a closet or an office or a space, mine is downstairs and it's in a room. So like I don't need to go in this room unless I'm working. So that makes that separation like really a lot easier. Yeah, I used to say that there was great freedom in working remote, but the opportunity with working remote for me is that work was always more accessible, right? So it, it it's always there. So that takes discipline too. So walking away for balance in an environment where I could sit at my desk for a few more hours, no matter what, I'll, I'll, I'll sit here and not communicate with my family for another hour and actually work. And then when the dinner's on the table, I'll, I'll go eat dinner and then go back to work. Right. Uh, Abby, you brought up something really cool and I wanted to spend some time about it. Like culture is really important. And one of the things that we're, we found in working remote is we had to be really purposeful about it. Right. So I can't just let um, my uh, direct report hang out and not talk to him for a week. You have to be purposeful about that that communication, like you have to plan for that communication. So that's one of the success tips that I think that good uh, managers learn. So, but Ab, you brought up this whole like, how do we whiteboard remote? And I'm a huge fan of the lock myself in a in the dungeon, so to speak, with a whiteboard and a bunch of really smart people and figure stuff out, and then stay there till we're done. What are some things that you know our audience can take away from a learning and or just engagement perspective on? tools that you use to solve those problems in an environment where that kind of communication doesn't come easily. How's that? Yeah, I think part of it for me was, um, I think we all fall into a trap where 
we're really good at, at jumping in and saying when we do understand something or we do understand somebody. It is really a different skill and um, very challenging, I think, to a lot of folks to explain when you don't, when you're not with somebody, when you're confused or you're missing something or you feel like there's just somewhere where y- y- there's a disconnect. And so luckily I'm, I'm, I work for a great boss and with a great team where there's, I feel very safe and it's been a great place while we've been adjusting where I can't rely on that whiteboard where I can say, I just don't understand why that change needs to happen or where that piece goes. Um, for example, we had to integrate our single sign-on service with our um, LMS. And if you've never done that before, like I had never done it before, it's super hard. It's incredibly tricky. And um, it was a lot of me telling our, our, our tech um, guy who was working with me on it, a lot of me telling my boss, I don't understand how this happened or I don't understand why this didn't work. And literally trying to find another way without whiteboarding for us to um, figure out where where the disconnects were. Because she worked through problems differently than I did. So she asked different questions than I did. Um, And we just had to figure out, like, how do we communicate differently? And when is it helpful for us to communicate to other people? Because sometimes we were confusing each other. And so we had to identify that, too, and just be like, this isn't personal, but I need you to not be involved right now because you're just confusing the hell out of me. Um, and I just need to work through it myself. So thank God I work in a really safe place where I trust my team and I can be that vulnerable and say, I, I don't get it or I'm lost. But um, that was my biggest thing was just getting starting to really build those skills of communicating when I'm I'm confused or I disagree or I don't understand. Yeah, so EQ being really, really, EQ, emotional intelligence being really important, even more important today than it ever has been before. You know, I, you bring up a really great point. I know, like, for my team, just asking them, like, hey, how do you want, how do you want me to communicate with you? Was, it seems like such a basic question, but it, especially now, like, when we're all remote, like, it has so much more weight. I was completely flabbergasted to find that my team wanted to communicate twice a day for like a 15 spot in the morning and a 15 spot at the end of the day, every day, five days a week. And I'm just like, really, really? Like, really? And a couple times I've come back and like, been like, Hey, do you guys still like having these meetings? Like, yes, these meetings are important. And it was, it's something that like, without talking to them, without like checking in, without like seeing how they want to be communicated, never, ever, it would not be a thing. I'm not a huge fan of meetings. Another not great thing about, you know, remote work is meeting, 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 but just talking to the people who you work with and say like, Hey, how do you want me to communicate with you? Like, I know it sounds like a silly question, but literally I'm staring at a tiny, small glass box and using, you know, the internet to talk to you from very far away. So there's no room for silly questions. Or there's no silly questions. That's what I'm going to go with instead. There's no silly questions. (laughs) (laughs) And you know what else, Dan, to that point about like, how do you want to communicate? What we learned working with other teams was when we would just like go sit in a room and listen about what somebody needed. Like you could learn a lot just by having like an in-person conversation with somebody that is really difficult to replicate in a remote environment sometimes. And so to that idea of like being super intentional 
we were also really intentional about how we would help when someone made a request of us. Like, let me ask all these questions up front so that it's more efficient for you and more effective for me so that I can actually jump into a project, understanding what you need, when, why, all those pieces, and not expecting them to know how to approach us to kick off a project. So stuff like that, too, where let's just be honest with ourselves about we need a really clear foundation for starting a project that we used to just get just by having a conversation, leaning over each other's desks that we don't have anymore. I feel like the intentional kind of check-in, like Dan, you said your team wants at the beginning and end of the day, would cut down a lot of the during the day conversations. I feel like our team kind of has like one person that we're checking in with who sort of holds like a lot of the information. And I, I'm thinking that meetings like that would help us not have to constantly go to that person <laughs> because that information would come out in a quick conversation and go, okay, I know who to go to for this. I know what's going on over here. Now I don't have those questions, but if I do, I can kind of skip this one person who's now having to disseminate all of the information. And then at the end of the day, we kind of see where we're, where we're going. So I think that's actually, that could actually be really helpful. That person probably has a lot of stress. They, they're probably going to be really excited when they hear you say that, Christy. <laughs> their they're slack is like never not going off. <laughs> so let me ask this. That brings up an interesting point. Like one of the things that we need to dive into on another show is this whole idea of agile for learning. And one of the things that's um, foundational in the agile process when it comes to learning and development or in, in any any organization that uses agile tenants is this idea of the daily stand-up. Do any of you do, Christy, you're not in your head. Do you a daily stand-up? Yeah, we do it in our Slack channel. Okay. Um, we just have to list out. Basically, we just say what's active for that day. Um, so we are, just our learning team does it, and we're all focused pretty much on e-learning or workshops or whatever. Um, so usually it's just kind of specifically listing out like, which workshops or which e-learnings we're working on, kind of which stage we're at. And then if we have anything blocked, like I can't do this next step because so-and-so hasn't QA'd it yet, but friendlier than that. Um, that's, yeah, we have to do that every morning. That's really cool. So you just put that in a Slack channel and the people refer mm -hmm. to it? Mm -hmm. We have a Slack channel called Standups. <laughs> and um, the, the person that I was just talking about who we all have to ask questions to, um, can jump in, or anybody can jump in and say, hey, don't forget, I need you to do such and such or where are we on this thing? Um, so that kind of helps us. We actually didn't do it in Slack for like two weeks. And we were all like, oh, no, 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 I don't like this because now I don't know what anybody's doing. And it felt very uh, like we we're all silos. And so we got back to the Slack channel and then it was like all, all was right with the world again. And it's even funny because, you know, a lot of times we're like, ugh, stand ups. I don't want to do the stand up. And then when we didn't do it in the same space for about two weeks, we're all like, oh my gosh, I miss our stand up. I don't know what's happening. Um, so that was sort of an eye opening <laughs> change that happened. Anybody else do stand ups? We do a weekly stand up for our team. And then I join a couple of other stand ups throughout the week. We don't have a daily, um, but the, the ones we have are pretty effective. Yeah. We do beginning of the week call and then the end of the week call they always run late because because right and matter of fact uh, i have a guy that runs those calls and he actually built in 10 minutes of what he called chit chat so because we're remote he actually built in that social 
part of the a meeting in the agenda, like chit chat 10. We have 10 minutes to just kind of F around. Um, that being said, I, I feel like standups are a really effective way to get a lot of people to do things and connect and get a lot more work done. And I feel like back to work, remote, not remote, whatever, I really feel like they have a an everlasting place in our business methodology, especially around learning moving forward. Thoughts on that? I do have one thought to jump back in. I also like out of standups, not only do they help like make sure everybody knows who's doing what and where and why, I also like hearing how my piece of the project carried on and is contributing to something else. It does make me feel more connected to the greater, you know, purpose and goals of the company. It, it does help me feel less isolated. That's awesome. Other tools. So we've got standups as a way to communicate, get people on board. By the way, um, we found or studies have found hey, short turnaround activities work really well in a remote environment. So left to their own accord with a project that's due in two weeks, uh, an employee might sit around for a while and not get something done. But if I say, today I need you to do X, Y, and Z by end of day, far more effective way to get work done and keep people engaged, right? So we don't get the shiny object syndrome that I'm so, um, you guys know. I'm, there there <laughs> goes one right now. There, this, hold on, there's a squirrel in my office. Tall right buildings. <laughs> Look, a baby wolf. Other tools, other tools. You know, I, I, I think this is something that, that we may talk more on later, but, and this is like part of the standups, but like building a team culture, not just like a, a, a company culture, which is important and can be tough to maintain when everybody's at home, but working to build a team culture what your team does, what your team's strengths are, where your team excels, what your team's goals and like mission statement is, goes a long way to keeping everybody like working and doing good things when when you're remote, when like you know that everyone's gonna split up to their separate corners and you're not gonna see them, uh, in my case, until the end of the day, but in some people's cases for like a week or two. Well not a week or two, but like a few days, maybe a week or two. Hopefully not a week or two. But Knowing and building this sense of, I know everybody on my team is doing what's good, what's right, lets people have that level of trust that's like, okay, cool, I'll see you in a few days. I'll talk to you on Slack, but we probably won't be on a, a share a meeting for a few days. So, not exactly a tool, but I think an important part of any process or tool that's getting built. Yeah, we use Collaborate a lot with a lot of our um, design stuff. Um, we never really like independently wholly own anything to ourselves, um, which is a shift. Some people I know that that could sound scary. It makes it feel like you never get to take credit for something all by yourself. But I think that's a culture shift too. Um, but letting someone like always have a voice on what you're working on or being able to chime in on somebody else's work, it's a great way to build trust. Um, it really helps us feel connected to what other people are doing and to each other. So I've really enjoyed that with our team. So we do kind of own, like we sort of have a project and it's ours from start to finish for the most part. But even when we're not officially like on a team, I'm still pulling in team members because like you said, that collaboration is just 
I mean, I don't want to do this by myself. I want to know what other people's thoughts are and opinions. And I know mine is not the only approach. So we use, I mean, we have meets a lot, but also just, you know, like a jam, we're a Google uh, based or whatever. Um, so, you know, I'll pull up a jam board and say, Hey, I have a couple ideas. Will you just like jump in and throw more ideas and put that in our team Slack channel. And then everybody will go in and add things. And I'm like, great, just crowdsource some ideas. Now I'm going to, you know, move, move with those and I can follow up if I have questions. So that's something that's been helpful. Just like a shared doc or a jam board or slide deck or whatever. One of the things that we haven't touched on enough is like, I get it. Like we're talking about how the business gets done and engagement in that regard. But like, how do we make people feel more connected and part of something when they're not able to be in the same space? That's a big part of culture, right? That's a big reason why Dan brought this topic up. Like, how as learning leaders do we help accomplish this? Um, you know, Abby, Abby brought this up just a little bit ago like this idea of like, Hey, she's able to see like other places where her projects are, are like touching. And we've talked about burnout. We've talked about other things, but knowing what your work is doing is a vital part of any culture, whether that's remote or in the office or anything, uh, especially like for like learning and development, we tend to have like these levels of separation. So like if you're in a class, you train those experts, Boom, they're trained. They're out of your life in a few weeks, maybe a few months. You're not going to see or talk to them again, except in just like touch bases. For instructional designers, it's even worse. I built this content. I gave it to a trainer. Man, I hope it works. You know, and like for our HR friends, it's the same thing. Like you're, you're only usually talking to people when things are going wrong. So I think an important part of building culture and like, these are t- these touch bases of like where is your content right now who is taking it what are they doing with it what does it look like i know for us we do a lot of like feedback sessions with people who are taking our content and people who it touches which is great because like people are telling us what they like and don't like which is super valuable but at a deeper level it's really great for for our learning and development professionals because it's like this is the impact you had on this person Maybe it's only in the business for a minute, but you still had an impact. And being able to see and feel that impact is a vital part of team and culture. It can feel like you're just making things and then sending them into the world. And you're like, I don't know what happened after it left my space. So that's a great point. Like, I do think as a team or as a as a company, seeing kind of that the real end result, who is doing this? How do they feel about it? What is the outcome that kind of builds like, oh, okay, we're on the right track. Or even if you need to pivot or whatever, you still know kind of where you're headed and and everybody's kind of back on that same page. So I, I think that's a great point. What about just this feeling of belonging and um, a part of something, the, the fun aspects, right? So without the ability to, you know, pop over the cube and say, Hey, did you watch the game last night? You know, how do we, how are we handling the challenges around the social aspect of culture? Jackbox games, lots and lots of Jackbox. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just going to say, I mean, Dan and I text about you all the time. It's a lot. So- <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> no, I, I, 
I don't know if, if we figured it out. Um, they're trying some things like, again, Slack is a great resource in our in our community. And they use it not just for work stuff. And it's very acceptable to like share pictures of your pets or talk about what you did over the weekend or who you grilled out for. So, I mean, it's not the same, but the effort, I think the effort matters. You know, it's, again, just back to that, you're talking about like people sharing pictures like in Slack and like pieces of their life. And like where I work, that 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 happened before COVID, but it didn't happen this much. I know more about my my coworkers now than I ever did in the office. Yeah, because you only knew them in the office, right? Mm-hmm. Now you're seeing them like in their house. Yeah. With their kids. Yes. Like I'm watching as like as like their kids or their loved ones or their pets are like wandering into like Zoom meetings. Like everybody yeah. stops every time somebody's dog or cat shows up, which is amazing. <laughs> that's that's an important part of, of remote culture right there. Like what animal do you have and how often can oh, you yeah. have it on camera? Yeah, everyone knows just how dumb and loud my Maltese is, so <laughs> You know, but I do think that we have to be more, it forces us to be more creative too, right? So I know my experience was, hey, let's have the virtual happy hour. And at first those were great. Like, yeah, we're going to get together and we're going to drink. We're all going to stare at each other. And then it was, that's really boring. Um, Let's add trivia. Yeah, trivia. Um, (laughs) And then we do that like a hundred thousand times. And then everyone's sick of trivia. Um, What are some of the, things that you found in those purposeful attempts to connect and get to know one another that worked really, really well that you'd want to share. So, uh, I know I jokingly said this a moment ago, but, uh, checkbox games and a lot of them, like a bunch of like those like trivia, small party games, um, and variety to your point. Like, uh, at first, yeah, virtual happy hours were like a big deal. Like I know at my company, we had them a lot. And then we went to having them like once every couple of weeks and then once a month. And now we're kind of like once a quarter ish, except I think we missed or skipped the last quarter. So building like the same thing, like building those checkpoints, building purposeful time to just be humans and just like do fun stuff. Like for us, it's it's Thursday. Our end of day Thursday meeting is is game time. And it's like, all right, cool. What game we're we gonna play today, guys? And it's like, oh, we're gonna play like murder trivia pa- trivia party, or we're gonna play like this game called Fishbowl was like, which was like part charades, part hangman, part weird, bizarre guessing game. I'm getting the feeling you didn't love that game. Dan. I actually Did loved you it a lot. <laughs> I actually loved it a lot. Uh, the service it hosted it just closed. So, He's just not like, selling it well. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. And it's because, like I said, the service that was hosting it closed, and so now, like, I'll, I'll, they'll never be back. So I'm just that's that's my way of coping. <laughs> Make it sound we're there for you, Dan. Than it was. Yeah, yeah, it was fantastic <laughs> and amazing, and it was trash, and I've always hated it. <laughs> Scott, I think to your point about needing that time eventually to be with each other, they've also told us that we will have like get togethers. They won't be frequent, um, but they will happen um, either, you know, quarterly or a couple times a year, small teams or the whole company, since I work for a smaller company, will get together and see each other. And 
while that's not a huge thing, like that's not a frequent, it does give you something to look forward to. I mean, you do get excited to to see these people who you've only met online. I actually just met because I'm from Michigan and uh, one of my colleagues works in Michigan. So I was home last week and uh, she and I met and it was so funny because we're like, it's so nice to see you, I guess, in real. I don't know how to say this. Like we've been working together for months. So um, it's it's kind of a funny like place to be where you're like, I feel like I know you really well. We text each other. We're on calls all the time. We work together. And then we met in real life. and We're like, whoa, this is. This is yeah, the Germans need to come up with like a new word that means meet in person yes. after knowing each other virtually. Yes. <laughs> Can we coin something here? <laughs> you know, it's it's true. Like, as where I work has started to have like more and more like in person meetings, more and more in person trainings, and like I've started to go to them. Like, there's that like pause, like when you first see somebody you haven't seen in a long time. Like, wow, they're really different than I remember, or oh wow, they're really really different than they look on zoom i can't tell you how many times like i've been talking to somebody and they're just like you're a lot taller than i thought or like you know or just any other variant of like you look different than you do on like the small computer screen i stare at eight hours a day or 10 hours a day (laughs) we had a whole conversation the other day about how tall each of us are and i'm like this is just not something that would have happened in real life (laughs) no it's like wait wait wait. how tall is so-and-so oh my gosh i mean so bizarre just don't tell hr they would be so upset to know you guys talked about how tall you all are (laughs) they might have been there actually (laughs) oh man hey listen we're getting to that point in the show where we're gonna start to wrap things up um and i think that's great let's go around the horn like what are your, some of your final thoughts around this whole idea of back to work um, and the things that we're going to need to do together to make it work for everybody? And I'll start with Abby. I'm just really excited that I have this opportunity to spend more time with my family. It's let me like reassess what I really want to be doing with my time, career-wise, work-wise. And um, I'll tell you, my husband and I now, when we talk about like, career opportunities the first things we ask are is it going to make it my relationship with our son better is it going to make our relationship um as husband and wife better is it going to allow us to keep living this life that we enjoy which was those questions were not what we were asking before they should have been but um so i feel like we're really blessed that we're kind of in a place after this past year where those are the questions we ask you know i think I don't want to sound like too hoity-toity, but I think we stand on the precipice of not just what the future of work looks like, but I think of what the future of work should be. Uh, And it sums up, Abby, exactly what you said. Like, you were able to take time and ask, is this the right fit for me? Will this job make my life better? And I think a lot of times we get the job and then we figure out, okay, cool, how does this job make my life better? And it's because of where we're at, because of the new norm. And I think like a lot of businesses are looking at ways to like claw that back, and some are looking at ways to like push forward. And in my my hopes and dreams, everybody kind of figures out what the middle ground looks like. 
I, I would love for there to be more office time. I love my tiny little office closet clawfice thing. Um, but I would love for there to be like a place where it's like, if I need to go to the office today, I know there will be an office. I will go in and I know what that experience will be like. If I need to stay at home today, I know I can stay at home in my tiny closet office. And I know what that experience will be like. I kind of hope that in some ways, I feel like some of the, I can't think of a better word, so I'm going to say power, but that's not really the word I mean. But I feel like some of the power is shifting a little bit to the employees. I feel like employees are realizing what they want and what they can do. And so they're a little bit more apt to say like, no, I don't want that job because you're not giving me these things. And so I think that might be what brings that shift. But also I kind of hope that that also means we're going to have a healthier work culture. I mean, we have a pretty or we've had a pretty unhealthy work culture for a long time. Um, but we're realizing all of the possibilities and that we can do work um, in a more flexible setting. So I guess, I, I don't know, I guess that's my hope that kind of as a whole, we sort of have a, a healthier culture surrounding our work, whether that be like our choices, like Abby was saying, you know, now I can consider how is this going to like fulfill my needs in my own life versus like, okay, I got this job. Now, how will I make it fit into my life or fit my life around it? Now it's like, well, how can I put these things together and, and be happy and healthy and all of that stuff? That might be a pipe dream, but I hope not. <laughs> well, it doesn't have to be a pipe dream. It's, it's your dream, Christy, because you're the one that's going to make it happen. And, you know, some interesting thing just popped up. So I'm going to kind of close out my thoughts with this. Like for me, I think balance is key when we're talking about back to work. And I think we have to really be leveraging. We talked about emotional intelligence and emotional intelligence really begins on a foundation of self-awareness. So I think part of what the shift that we're seeing is, this is my humble opinion, but we just went through um, this big um, existential crisis as a society, right? Who am I? What's important? Some of us were part of the Zoomocracy that could work. And oh, don't get us wrong, those of us that had the opportunity to work were grateful. And we worked 14, 15 hours and killed ourselves. And now we're in that place of, what did I get for that? Um, and some of us don't have good answers to that. I can tell you what my answer is, but I, I will pose it in the form of a question. Because a few weeks ago, somebody asked me, a mentor of mine that I greatly respect and admire, and this person said, Scott, do you want to be successful or do you want to be significant? Well, I know the answer for me. I know exactly what that answer is for me. I want to have impact. And in my world, that's all about my quest no longer is for that corner office with the parking space and the big two, three letter in, you know, in front of my title, it, it really is about joy. And that understanding and self-awareness for me of who I am, what I do, how I provide impact and how I provide joy, that's it. That's, that's my beginning of my third act. I'm in my third act, folks. I'm in my third act of life. And that's what's important. And I think we're seeing Millions of people wake up to this, huh, who am I and what's important? And I say now is the time to go for it, uh, right? 
pour yourself into your passions, whether that's at work or outside of work, right? I'm just blessed that I get to record with amazing people about things that I care about and have impact. And that helps me show up better wherever I serve and whoever I serve. And I think that when it comes time to building culture, whether I'm at my office shooing away four fur balls throughout the day, or if I have the pleasure to actually be with people in a cave somewhere writing down some groovy stuff, that we're going to make the most of it and connect and ensure that for me, that I, I have significance when it's done. Because at the end of the day, for me, that's what's going to matter. Like no one's going to give two cahoots about, you know, I said cahoot, by the way. No one's going to give two cahoots about uh, this video I put together. But they're gonna they're gonna remember Scott Shooty and and all uh, of the zany people and the fabulous learning nerds for how we made them think and how we made them feel. So there it is. There's my inspirational take that for what it's worth. Thank you, Dan, for the great topic this week. Um, I really appreciate it, uh, and I think it's great. So with that, Danielson. Yes, Scott. <laughs> could you do me a huge solid and uh, tell our listeners how they can connect with us? Absolutely. Guys, if you haven't already, you can reach out to us at learningnerdscast at gmail.com. We just talked today about culture and the new normal. And so let's make sending us emails the new normal. Culture. Uh, If you don't want to send an email, you can like us at our Facebook page at Learning Nerds. And lastly, hit us up on Instagram, FabLearningNerds. Fantastic. Daniel-san. Christy. Yes. You sounded amazing. Thank you so, so much for joining us. I love it when friends of the show come and share time. We're going to have you back, right? I hope so. I appreciate it. Okay, great. All right. All right. All right. Calm down. Calm down, everybody. Calm down. All right, great. All right. Hey, everybody, do me a favor. Um, Go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Share the show with your friends. Make you sign up so you get to catch all of our discussions, uh, even the ones about the Power Rangers. Um, Do us a favor also if you could leave us a review either on iTunes or Sketcher or wherever you listen to us. But if you like the show, say it's great. If you hate the show, you can tell us how much you hate the show. Whatever you do can help us get out there so more of you can hear more of that. And with that, I'm Scott. I'm Dan. I'm Abby. I'm Christy. We're your fabulous learning nerds, and we are out. The Electronic Specifier Insights podcast is dedicated to asking the big questions of the electronic industry's biggest players. Electronics and technology are becoming increasingly integral across all aspects of daily life and within society as a whole. Check out the Electronic Specifier Insights podcast at www.electronicspecifier.com. Thanks for listening to the Fabulous Learning Nerds. You know, there are a lot of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment of offerings. If you're, if you're thinking of giving it a try, if you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. 
Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com BE.